welcome to episode 8 of Silocast for this season. It's um, another week, and this week, Lynn, we won away from home again. Our mm. excellent away form continues. Yeah, good good to get another away victory under our belt. We've actually done so amazing away from home compared to last season's struggles, haven't we? And um, yeah, I, I guess, you know, up upper mid-table, you know, upper mid table, uh, you know uh, sort of halfway in the league, you know, you can't really complain too much about that after seven games, can you? But um, yeah, an interesting week, Ollie. Regardless of Forest Green Rovers, there was obviously a lot going on this week. The end of the transfer window, um, announcements of serious injuries, um, you know, new players coming in. No one leaving. Um, and then the pizza trophy game, which we won't cover too much on. But yeah, quite a busy week for Shrewsbury Town, wasn't it? And, um, you know, it's a nice little capstone getting a win away at Forest Green Rovers to kind of round off that week. Yeah, it's been a very busy week. So this episode will cover the transfer window first because obviously some of these players played on Saturday. We'll go through the pizza game. We'll talk about um, Forest Green away, um, the unusual um, trip. Um, and then we'll talk about injuries and then we'll talk about them, the upcoming games. Um, and you've got a few stats you can share as well to give a bit of context in terms of how we're performing this season. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a, that's a good thing. I mean, we might as well just crack on with getting into the transfers now, yeah. Ollie, because, you know, interesting last day of the window, wasn't it? We went, what was it? We signed to Costa or more, wasn't it? The last one we signed in that early part yeah. of the transfer window and then went 59 days. <laughs> yeah, it was in July. Yeah, went 59, 59 days. Without signing, and then smashed three in the last six hours of the transfer window. So you know, <laughs> you got you got to, got to have a system, haven't you? At the end of the day, but yeah, bringing three in um, on the final day, I think before we talk about who it was, I think we definitely needed those bodies, didn't we? Particularly with the injury news that we later found out. But yeah, if we'd have only brought one in, you would have been worrying quite a lot. But three bodies, you know, midfield, a couple of strikers, it, you know, it hit quite a few of the notes that we needed, didn't it? Yeah, as you, as you know, in our little WhatsApp group we have with a few um, Shrewsbury Town fans, I was in quite um, a negative um, place um, <laughs> as the transfer window was coming to a close because you know we all had quite a few strikers yes we feared um, Ado was going to be injured um, you know getting these two extra loan players does raise big question marks about Bloxham and, and Caton how much of minutes are they yep. going to get this season and their development I think they both need to go out on loan um, to National League and, and get some games and then um, yeah um, I was a bit gloomy thinking we haven't really kind of tackled some of the issues that I thought we had. And then we go and sign Carl Winchester um, from Sunderland. And, you know, Twitter can be a great thing, you know, for interaction and getting in, in, intel on players. Mm. And when you, I, I tagged um, um, Graham Folk, who does a, a really good Sunderland podcast, tagged him and asked him a question about it. And, um, you know, he said he was, at, he loves the players. I think he's one of, must one of his favourite players and when they've been in League One. Um, yep. You you tag him in a in a tweet and you get loads of Sunderland fans, and not I haven't seen any negativity about Carl Winchester at all. Um, nope. He played in their for their team uh, right of a back three. He played right back. He played in midfield. I think he'll play primarily midfield for Shrewsbury, but yeah, he's twenty nine years old and played for Oldham Athletic, Cheltenham, Forest Green Rovers for ninety eight games, and then Sunderland. Yeah. So yeah, good pedigree. Played. He's from he's from Northern Ireland. And yeah, he sounds like he's a really hardworking, athletic, um, capable, technical football player. And he's just what we needed, Glenn, to play in that either defence midfield or midfield role. And we were really a bit short of that area, I thought. Yeah, and it frees up others who've been doing that role to do other roles, as we saw on Saturday, doesn't it? So um, yeah, I think he's definitely a 
a player with a lot of pedigree, that's for sure. And I think Agent yeah. Flanagan definitely must have got in his ear. Obviously, Northern Ireland internationals <laughs> so. and uh, teammates at Sunderland last year, and, and and a good Sunderland team, obviously last year that went on to get promoted. So, um, you know, maybe, maybe he's looking at going back to back promotions, Ollie. So yeah, more more than welcome that. It was funny he made his debut at a team he'd played for as well in Forest Green Rovers, but yeah, um, yeah <laughs> I'm not sure he uh, he had too much. Yeah, you know, come on for the last 25 minutes, there, I think something like that wasn't it when the game was sort of two 0 up. So yeah, I'm really impressed with him and as a signing, I thought, um, and we'll see how he develops um he's not too old either yeah. Ollie. he's only 29 um so no 29 and fit and i think it says a lot about him that you know he could have stayed at sunderland and probably got some games in the championship but he wants to yep. be in and out of the team every week um he obviously sunderland had a change of manager so yeah it's great good on him that he wants to come and play football so yeah great a great addition yeah, they call him. They they, they called him at Sunderland Winniester, didn't they? Which is quite yeah, a great did. nickname. So um, or Winniester. See... I don't know. Yeah, Winniester or Winniester. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, sure. Winniester's, Yeah, it's, it's it's a good nickname, and yeah, it's a sign <laughs> potentially. has got a bit of quality. Other two signings. It can be a bit risky sometimes, isn't it? When you when you when you sign a player and you ask, you know, people you know. So obviously, doing the podcast, we get to know football analysts, and we talk to scouts. And we talk mm-hmm. to other podcasts and other people in the media about players. Um, so yep. on Rob Street, um, he's come. He's twenty years old. He's come Crystal Palace. He's had loans at Torquay and Newport. Um, interestingly, if if he progresses and has any improvements, it sounds like he's had on those three loans. Maybe he could be on for a winner here at Torquay. Um, yeah, not the best review when he played five games. Um, he sounded a bit raw, a bit young, um, not so strong at Newport. Um, he sounds like he turned into a bit of a target man. He was strong. Um, he yeah. played a number of games there. You know, young in terms of not necessarily taking his chances and, and all that kind of stuff and kind of developing. Um, so obviously he's progressing. And then um, Christian Sadie, who's 20 as well, we signed from Bournemouth. On loan at Burton, you'll love this, Glenn. 18 games, no goals. Um, <laughs> and the kind of the message I had with him was not the best in the final third. Uh, which means he'll sit in and and, and be very much at home um, with the Shrewsbury Town um, lineup and, and the rest of the squad. However, you we all know this, don't we? We signed loan players in the past, and we they've been you know just gone on to another level. Tyrese Campbell, um, Ladapo, you know, when we had um, that lad, um, what was his name? Tyler was from from West Brom. You know, you can get really good youngsters that come through Tyrese. and really hit the ground running. So um, hopefully, he they can both of them can do well. Uh, and this, we'll certainly talk about um, Sadie um, in the um, Forest, Forest Green game. Yeah, I think, you know, initially when people look at players, we don't know much about these lone players from Premier League academies or, or Championship academies generally, do we? Because they've been playing under-21 football and, and had occasional loan spells and you can't really glean too much from that. I think that, you know, everyone sort of thought, well, we're not bringing in natural goal scorers at our division because that's not, you know, wasn't a proven issue. Like, unlike Winchester, who clearly had a proven track record at this level. You, you know, you're taking a slight gamble, um, always with these types of players, I think. But, um, you know, the proof will be in the pudding when they've had 10, 15 appearances, won't they? So we can't can't write them off yet. Um, but, you know, yeah, you're right. We have had some players come in and kick it on next level I watched Stoke versus oh who the hell were they playing today can't remember on telly Tyrese Campbell was starting up front for Stoke um and funnily enough Tyrese uh Tyrese is it Tyrese Fauna the guy that we had last year was playing for Reading um so yeah they were both on opposition teams and they're both really good yeah. examples of of lone players we've had who kicked on at our club and are now consistently playing championship football um Fauna could even have stayed with Forest couldn't he and, and played there so um uh yeah you know a good example of the sorts of things they can achieve at our club and then we've got things on the other side haven't we where we've had players like an Abu Adams or some of those other sort of younger lone players that didn't even get into the squad so yeah Luke McCormack I suppose is another example of that so 
you know, it could go either way. Um, they've got a lot of competition, obviously, with two of the strikers being out injured. And we're still left with seven fit forwards. So, you know, it's going to be a struggle to see who's going to be getting selected every week with Pike sort of playing a bit better, Bowman doing decent. And obviously the other two lads are, are going to be pushing to, to get games as well. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how much they play. Ollie would be my first port of call, really. But if you've got two young, raw, aggressive lads like that on the bench um, and they're not starting, it's definitely gave us a different option against Forest Green. And, and that's something anyway, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. We, you know, um, I got some criticism um, for the first game of the season for saying our, our bench was poor and um, and weak, and it, it was. It has been. Um, but yeah. at least, at least, at least, look at the squad now. You know, we had yeah, we had Winchester. We had the two lads on, on the bench as well. You know, we've mm. actually got some options now, which is good. And and also, you know, it's one, th- you know. We we we've, we've we do I think we've praised Glenn I think quite consistently um this season in particular um, um the Steve Cottrell strategy in terms of having a small squad and having players that can play different roles. I mean, you know, Winchester's going to come in and he can play a number of roles. I don't think I think Sunderland fans thought it was quite funny he was playing the number ten role for us. Whether we'll see that a lot from him, I don't know. But yeah, yeah, it's good to have options. And um, yeah, if you know if we are going to go down this route of you know we've got a small pot of cash, we're going to spend it on some what we've got now, 17, 18, 17 senior pros, um, mm. rather than having you know twenty five like it's which you can't afford that many. Um, no. So yeah, obviously the proof will be in the pudding. But um, overall, <laughs> I think fair to say the squad is better. Um, than it was last season. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, it proves in the pudding. I think we'll, we'll wait a few weeks for that. I mean, yeah, we've got maybe maybe we've got a few more bodies than we did have last season. But with the injuries, I wouldn't say we're much stronger than we were at this point last season in seven games into the game because the injuries are to key players at the moment. So I, I don't know. We're there or thereabouts, aren't we? It doesn't doesn't feel a huge difference. But we certainly can't complain, Ollie, going forward that we don't have options off the bench in attacking positions. We're gonna we're gonna play four strikers on the bench every week, aren't we? <laughs> As it goes at the moment. So you know, and and. Yes, exactly. And I think that in terms of... Um... I think the squad's better. I think the squad's better. Just quickly talk about this. You know, if you think how good Dunkley was on Saturday, Flamingo... Defence is better. Um, Pennington, how he's performing now. Um, I think I think the squad is a bit better. It's not, you know, it's not, you know, it's not um, chalk and cheese difference, but it is, I think, slightly better. But yeah, it's um, it's interesting. And yeah, we've got, we've got something mm. to work with. Get these players back from injury. Then we'll have a lot more. You made a really good point there, Ollie. I'll, I'll give you some credit for is, is saying, you know, we've always praised Cottrell for the flexibility of the players he's brought in and where they can play. You know, he's turned Pike into a right back or a striker or a right winger. You know, we've got um, Bennett who could play right back or play in central midfield or play defensive central midfielder. You know, Lee, he can play across the back. You know, centre back he's played. He can also play attacking midfielder. He can also play sitting midfielder. And I think that, you know, Rob Street and Christian Sadie, as well as Winchester, who you mentioned being flexible, they're probably going to be able to play right through the middle looking at them, but they're also going to be able to be those lads that play off a central striker as well and so it is an argument to say that we might have one of the most flexible squads ever created at Shrewsbury Town Football Club who's is there is there one player in the squad (laughs) who only plays in one single position and does not deviate from that probably Bowman Bowman only really plays through the middle doesn't he probably Dunkley probably Bowman and Dunkley yeah because you could play Fanningen at fullback didn't you yeah plays Um, fullback I guess yeah yeah Pennington can play fullback I could Oh, yeah, sometimes he plays right wing. He's like, he technically really fun. I haven't checked after this game, but before this game, technically um, using an XA, so um, you know, in terms of expected mm-hmm. assists, Pennington is our most creative player. He gets forward so, loads. Yeah, it's, um, yeah. yeah, there's definitely some flexibility. Yeah, in very the flexible. Yeah, so we'll say Morosi, Dunkley, and Bowman are the only ones that have got a fixed position. Everybody else has got to play wherever they're told. So um, <laughs> it's good. Nope. Which makes picking the, when, you, when you see the team, and yeah, you never would have expected a back four. Nope. Um, in the team and to be honest it took me a while to register it because I just didn't expect it 
um, yeah, it's also flexibility in terms of formations as well. So yeah, lots lots of positives, and we'll definitely be positive on this podcast last week. This week after oh, a good performance, I'm more than ready to talk about back fours, Ollie. But we'll leave that till we get to the game. Um, we should just mention a couple of other things, really. Um, yeah. on top of so that, the transfer window ended there. That we should just mention. I think it's just a note for anyone that missed it that the Forest Green Rovers game was the hundredth in charge for Cottrell. Um, so he's been at the football club a hundred times now. And I just looked at the win ratios, Ollie. The win on Saturday took him above thirty percent win ratio. So. Decent enough, isn't it? Almost, almost a third of, of games that we play, and he, he's getting a win um, in his hundred games that he's been here. And I should just say, in the in the time since we came to the new meadow, the only manager with a better win ratio in League One, obviously, was Paul Hurst. So yeah, you know, just ticking over the thirty percent. That's that's. I think it's thundering here. Sorry to interrupt the podcast. Um, uh, I should just uh, say, you know, that thirty percent is a pretty good uh, a pretty good ratio. I think in terms of looking at that longer term pattern. Yep. So um, in terms of wins, unfortunately, didn't have a win on Tuesday. Um, probably worth just quickly yep. covering off um, the Pizza Cup. Um, so yeah, we had. I think it's fair to say we definitely had a useful side <laughs> this week um, in the, in the cup. Um, to be honest, I don't even know and recognise hardly any of the players' names. Um, and I think it's the first time we've ever had a first team game where a player scored for us who, who I have never heard of before. Um, so I don't know. What's your obviously? I know your view on this cup. There's no point repeating that again. But. Um, yeah, it's it was interesting, wasn't it, Glenn, having so many youth players? And would you say it was probably the right thing to do, rest the first team and give these lads well, a considering chance? Considering that we must have known Nadeau was already injured at that point, um, I don't think there was any point in risking any of our senior players for more injuries, which we couldn't have carried. So um, I, I didn't really have an issue with it. This whole trophy has become an absolute joke, hasn't it? Really, you know, it was our under 18s and some of our under 17s, you know, you know, playing against Wolverhampton's under 21s. It's not a proper game, is it really? It's a youth game at the end of the day. It could be an FA Youth Cup tie in a couple of months' time. So um, they devalued this competition so much, Ollie, that it, you know, I, I don't want to go on the rant. You told me not to, but um, yeah, you know you know what I feel about it. But in terms of Shrewsbury, uh, you know, it's good good experience for the lads still, I suppose, in terms of playing in front of a crowd out on the meadow. They don't normally play their under-18s games there and, and they certainly don't play them play it in front of 1,400 people. Um, so I'm all right with that. But then, then there's also an argument, um, and I'm not, I tried to chase up Stuart Dunn. He's normally the man with the answer to these questions, but... I, I can't imagine we've ever put out a younger squad, like a younger first eleven, for any competitive Shrewsbury Town game in our history. You know, most of those lads were first and second year pros. The average age must have been at most 17, 17 and a half, mustn't it? Do you know what I mean? And, I, you know, the only time we've ever done that used to be in, like, the Shropshire Senior Cup final over the last 20 years. And so it was interesting. Yeah. To... Harry Burgoyne would have pulled it up yes. a bit. <laughs> he would have pulled the average up quite a bit. But, um, but, yeah, in terms of youngest first team, yeah, I think it's... I can't imagine we played a first team with you have younger younger teams. Even even in this trophy when we played youth lads, we've only ever played three or four of them with a mix of fringe players. So I went back and looked at the last few years, and nothing ever could touch the youth of this. And and also this Travis Hearns lad that did score our goal, pretty decent goal. I did watch it back the next day. Nice to finish from outside the box. He's a first year pro, so he's really young. sorry, first year scholar, so he's really young. So also again, no one's answered this question because we don't have good records like on this sort of thing. It's something I've been looking at, but potentially Travis Hearns could be the the youngest ever. Ever goal scorer for Shrewsbury Town, which is would be a nice record, and it'd be something that we should recognise. But unfortunately, we don't have the ability to work yeah. it out yet. Um, so I've gone back and started to look at, you know, the Bradshaws and and some of the other young lads that come through over the last few years that got goals in this co- competition. Most of the time, it was it was second year pros. So um, I'll keep looking. I'm, I'll report back on the podcast. But yeah, definitely one of the youngest players to ever score for Shrewsbury. So and, and lastly, on this point, we probably will get fined won't definitely we, for will. playing not playing <laughs> the registered, which is an absolute farce that. You know, we have to play Wolves as kids, but then we can't play our kids. But anyway, that's enough we on this game. Well, um, and let's, we, you know, we didn't mention that. To... <laughs> yeah, we did lose as well. 
yeah, we did score at least, so that was something. But um, yeah, let's push ahead to um, Forest Green Rovers away. Away eventually. Off it goes to Holt. He does really well. This is Humphrey. It's 2-0 Shrewsbury Town. Well, Humphrey made the first for Holt. So, 20 years later, we returned to scenic Nailsworth, Ollie, um, after our game there in the conference season, um, which I think was a draw from my memory. I can't quite remember now. I did check it earlier on. But um, I remember being there, and I remember there being a thunderstorm just as we were leaving the ground. But yeah, our return this time was even more enjoyable. A 2-0 win. A goal from Rico Pike on 10 minutes. I'm sure we're going to end up talking about that for quite a while, Ollie. Um, and then a goal by Jordan Shipley on 48 minutes, which effectively killed the game off. Um, and yeah, the visit to their slightly sort of newer ground, but still conference standard ground, which again, I think we'll move on to when we look at the pre-match yeah just a few stats really before we did delve into team selection and, and what formation we actually turned up in this week um forest green rovers have only won one of their opening games um they also had a game called off ollie um they had a, a, a pitch inspection against accrington so they played one game less than us but yes they didn't want one of their opening games so far having played one game less than us um and they had the second worst goal, goal scoring record in the league which i can see why having watched this game um in terms of shrewsbury so far this season is some positive stats ollie um which are well due. Um, we have eight points away from home already this season, mate. Um, it took us last season to earn eight points on the road to the 29th of January. I mean, that's a, fa- <laughs> it's a, fa- it's a fairly big turnaround. Yeah, that's it took us to the 29th of January. I think we got a draw. Um, oh, I can't remember what it was now. Um, but yes, so yeah, and we obviously only had one win up until the 29th of January as well. So that is a pretty staggering turnaround in away form, isn't it? Well, yeah, 88% <laughs> of our points come from away away performances so that's far mad. this season. Um, yeah, we've got nine points and we've got away eight away from home. In terms of away league tables, we're second, yep. aren't we, up there with it switching. Yeah, it's been good on the road so far. In terms of where we're at compared to last season, obviously we, we talked about that slow start and we've been sort of keeping pace with it recently, but we're now five points up on last season after seven games, um, which means actually after seven games, this is the second best start to a League One season. Um, it's equal with that 1920 season under Ricketts where um, he had his first full season and obviously it's second equal with that and first first is obviously the Hurst season. So yeah, one of our better starts to League One so far. We cannot say it isn't. And also, when you look at the reasons for that, a lot of it falls on the defensive performance. And this is not equal, but it's, this is the yeah. second best defensive start to a League One season, only behind Hurst. Um, we've conceded just five goals in seven League One games, which is absolutely fantastic. And um, yeah, I think that those two show that we're making making big strides on last season already. We are on, on those yep. stats. In terms of goals against, only it's which have done better yep. before. Um, and then, yeah, then as you say, um, we've we've conceded six. As if um, there's Exeter have only conceded five, and there's a few other teams on six and seven. But yeah, it was, it's a good performance. Just for comparison, Berta conceded twenty, and Forest Green Rovers conceded fourteen. Yeek. So they're a lot more. Um, in terms of goals scored, though, and we have got one of the worst attacks in the division so far. Um, we've got five. Only Morecambe and uh, Forest Green Rovers can better that with four. But compared to, compared to recent League One seasons, Ollie, the goal scoring isn't much different. <laughs> so it's not statistically notable. <laughs> no, no, it's very similar. And defensively, you know, we've got a good record. But um, I feel like, and, the, and especially the way that we scored this weekend, we scored an open play for the first time. We scored two goals in open play. And the way the second goal was scored, um, it gives me hope um, that we can probably score a few more goals in open play going forward. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was good. Any other? Stats? No, that's it. I think we would need to look at team selection here, don't we? And formation. And, and you know, I'll let you run through yeah. that, Ollie. I've I've got a few things to say on it, but um, go on. Well, how do we line up and who played where? Yeah. So we had um, Maurice in goal. Um, we had Pennington at right back, Dunkley and Flanagan in central defence, and Nurse at left mm-hmm. back. We had Leahy and Moore playing as two defence midfielders. Then we have Pike, Bayliss, and Shipley playing as a three, 
and they were playing playing as a three quite high up um, with Bowman up front. Um, I'll be honest with you, Glenn. You know me. I'm always looking for tactics and and, ta- and formations, and I really love all that kind of stuff. I don't. I didn't even think or even comprehend that we could be playing a different formation. <laughs> it was only when you tweeted that we we're playing yeah. back four that I realised, and I was like, because I kept thinking, like, I did notice before. Why is Pike like, so well, high? You know, Pike isn't yeah. really given. Well, yeah, one is why Pike's so high, but the first thing really noticed was when Pennington had no support back there. And then there's a few times to put the ball into the box. And I'm just so used to us having five defenders in the box to defend an, an area, and we didn't. We had four and, and um, Forest Green able to create overloads. Yep. It took me a while to realise. But yeah, it was definitely um, it, I, it was definitely um, four, two, mm-hmm. three, one. Um, and yeah, what was your thoughts on, on the tactical change? I want to see, see us play like this against all the perceived weaker teams in this division from now on I, I don't want to play five at the back against teams that we should be beating or should be having good competitive we we can we had less of the ball than Forest Green in this game but we had more than we've had in recent games and we looked quite nicely balanced Pennington's decent enough at right back and Nurse is obviously a decent left back Duncan and Flanagan were amazing I thought that you know the way they kind of lined up it gave us some balance it meant that it, we still looked good when we were counter-attacking but we also had elements of the game where we controlled the ball and actually were able to spring off it so I'm I'm all for you know, ditching wing backs. I, I can see why we'll still play with that against the harder teams and, and try and play on the counter attack like that. But I, I would rather, I would always rather play with four and unleash some more of your attacking players against some of these teams, which should be easier to score against. It should be, you know, we should be in these games a little bit more than we are against Derby, Zipswitches, Sheffield Wednesday. So I like the fact, you know, like we talked about the recruitment, we've got the flexibility to do that. But my question for you, Ollie, is if DaCosta hadn't got injured, would we have done this? I don't know, because he's played Pike wing yeah, back before. True. So obviously this is a tactical thing that thought that we could, could hurt yep. them. It's really fascinating. You know, you often talk about number of shots. We only had five shots in and this game. And less the ball, yeah. And we yeah. had something like just under 40% possession. But I thought we were really good and we were very effective going forward, um, really dangerous um, going forward. More efficient, yeah. Um, and yeah, it was, it was a good performance. Yeah, we're very efficient. That's the word I've been thinking all day as well. And I thought we were very efficient going forward. Um, and, it was, and it was more attacking, you know. We will lament and say that we're defensive sometimes if we're defensive but if we're attacking like we were um as we were on saturday we'll we'll praise that and we'll comment on that yeah, as it well. felt like it unlocks a, a style of football that you watch that yes we still don't have more of the ball than the opposition but again we were away from home so maybe that's understandable but it felt like i watched Shrewsbury town players running at the opposition players a little bit more on saturday than i've seen in games so far this season you know people with the ability to just put their head down and go at someone and, and try and get past them and um yeah i don't know just seemed to unlock you know look looks different to watch it did it wasn't so, uh, sometimes how I feel watching town over the course of this season so far at times, particularly when we've been playing the bad teams, that, that negative style, trying to hit him on the character, did feel slightly different. And, and I do think that comes from just having an extra body in that central midfield area, really. Yeah, and I think probably Cotter will probably be a little bit disappointed with the mm. possession. Um, we'll, we'll talk about this as we go through the game, but I thought we were quite wasteful. I thought more, and, and I don't think Lee, he had a great game actually on Saturday. Um, he, he did some great bits off the ball, but on the ball, I don't think yeah. he was so good. I thought I'm sure um, Cottrell would have wanted us to dominate the mm. game a bit more, but it was a new formation and a bit of change. Again, still new players, um, so I think there's more potential to come. So yeah, I think yeah, good discussion um, on the tactics and stuff. In terms of getting to the game, um, it's you're not going to have an away travel <laughs> trip like this um, ever, probably ever again. Really, if they move to their new ground, 
I mean, it's a, a unique um, experience getting to have a forest green away. Yeah, it's it's still, you know, I can see why they're building their new ground and I can see why they're only building a 5,000-seater capacity stadium, Ollie, because they certainly don't get very many fans, do they? But uh, we were looking at a map, like, where do they get yeah. their fans from? Obviously, Nailsworth and Stroud, but other side of that, you've got Cheltenham one way, you've got, you know, Bristol teams the other way, you've got fringes of Birmingham to the north, and then you've kind of got Swindon even to the sort of east and things like that. So, And then you're into a bit of rugby country, aren't you? So I can see why they struggle to get big attendances. Um, and they're not. It's not the most scary place to go to, I don't think. But it, it, it's another side, Ollie. Just look at the bottom of the table. How many of those teams at the bottom of League One now are those teams that have had good years and come up from the conference that are now suddenly struggling? I thought that was quite interesting to look at. But yeah, it's it's an interesting journey there. And it, you come off the M5 and you just start driving through the countryside for ages, or the way I came, I, I did. And yeah, straight onto like, it. Yeah, could have been in Wem. And yeah, it was it was odd. And I don't know which way you came. And I I I used Ways and. I literally ended up going down a single track yeah, we, lane where any car coming the way you had to reverse or whatever to get to get out of the way. And then I was driving towards the ground, realised I got to the ground, just past somewhere it was £10 to park. And knowing it's hard to park and how far it is and all that, I thought I sod it, I was going to pay 10 to park. So I parked in a field with about 20 other cars, um, which was, yeah, not many people parked there. But yeah, a little walk down into the ground and yeah, got a pint and... Yeah, kind of got ready for the match and saw the team news. It was, yeah, a very it's very different and pre-match experience. Yeah, they're going to have to maybe get another bar in when Ipswich and Derby visit this season because we obviously brought a, quite a few. But Jesus Christ, <laughs> yeah. the queue to get a pint outside the ground from that little one Brewdog place was, oh, it was so slow. There's four awful. people there, and they were so in, slow. Yeah. In general, that, the club is not designed to accommodate more than a few people because even in the ground when people went in to get food and we'll talk about what the food was like Ollie because I know you sampled some but even inside like we, we, we tried to get a pint outside the queue was too big we thought we'll go in and get a pint didn't serve booze in the ground great that's excellent news Um, I was obviously driving so I wasn't having one and then uh, someone went to get some food and it must have took them half an hour to get served it was pretty rubbish to be fair so yeah they are due for an upgrade in their facilities Ollie um, but yeah quite scenic isn't it on the top of the hill I, I refused to pay the £10 I bung my car on the side of the road somewhere Ollie and I think we had about a five minute walk up to the ground but um, yeah, didn't feel too different to the trip there in the conference season in terms of you know where it was because the ground. I, I think from talking to a few people around me, the ground in the conference season when we went down, down there was basically like a field across. So when they built their new ground, they just moved it next door to the old ground. Yeah. So it was pretty much in the same spot. In meetings in the week, <laughs> looking at Google Maps, trying to figure out where it was and what's going on. Yeah, there's a little football pitch just next to it, I think which it was the I ground, yeah. presume was that yeah. old ground. Um, so yeah, it's a interesting little setup. Any idea? Here's a bit of a trivia, Glenn. I'm going to put you on the spot. And I, I doubt you'll have the answer. <laughs> Any idea where their training ground is? Oh, uh, do they share it with, like, I don't know, something like the University of Gloucester somewhere? I don't know. It's absolutely miles away. The other side of the oh, right. four. It's like 50 minutes <laughs> south. Um, yeah, miles away. Um, so, yeah, I think a lot of their players maybe, I don't know, live in Bath or go to, or live in Bristol or something. Yeah, it's oh. miles away. So, yeah, funny little club, but fair play to They've them. They've done well over the last Fantastic few years. progress. Yeah. Um, done really well and I'd say they're still while they're struggling they've still got some good players in mm, their first yeah. team yeah I would agree they they, they, they weren't great um, but uh, yeah that was to our benefit really wasn't it it was an interesting game though Ollie. Um obviously we won and it was a great game but um, I don't know it was a bit quite a lot of sections of it were really bitty weren't they do you know what I mean you, you put it in the agenda yeah, it was a yeah. bitty start but I felt like at certain points in the first half, we were really like being really slow and time-wasting again, which I'm sure our Joey Barton would have absolutely loved to hear about. But um, yeah, it was, I don't know. Do you think we were time-wasting? Uh, we scored, I thought we did. I just thought we just struggled to get... Uh, like, did it... When you were standing there on the terrace, did it feel like a League One game? No, it felt a bit like when we went to um, Stratford. 
last season it was a bit like because of the ground specifically specifically i don't know i mean it, it's weird in it standing on the side in a small terrace like that it doesn't feel yeah. like a it doesn't feel like an elite game of football does it when you're standing on an open terrace on the side of a pitch no it doesn't it doesn't feel elite that's the word yeah. i was looking for it didn't feel elite didn't really even feel professional and i thought that the standard of the play was quite poor in the first like yeah, yeah. the first kind of like five that. minutes or so um struggled to keep the ball throughout the whole game and um, so that didn't really change um, but it didn't take long for Shrewsbury Town to knock it around and to create a really good goal-scoring opportunity. So um, Flanagan gets the ball, he drives forward, um, passes the ball out to Nurse, Nurse into Bowman, out to Shipley. Shipley crosses the ball and then put the ball in the box. And who is there, Glenn, to put the ball in the back of the net to, sound, to send the sound fans going absolutely bananas? Tap in. Tap in Rekiel. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, no, he, he did well. He finished it, didn't he? He was there, old Rekiel Pike, and gets his first league goal for the club. Um, so he's now up to a ratio of one goal every year and a half. So cracking. Um, hopefully that'll be the start of a run now, though. But um, he, he deserved it, to be fair, after how he's played in the last few months, hasn't he? And since we started this season and how much he's been doing yeah. well. And um, to me, the most impressive thing about his goal, other than Pike actually scoring, was the fact that it was from open play, Ollie and it involved a nice passing move and yeah. that was the same with the second goal and we've we've been begging for that all season and so this is exactly the sort of goal I want to start to see you know I want to see Nurse and Bowman and Shipley exchanging quick passes you know Shipley te- teasing teams apart with his creativity and his little bit of a you know look round the shoulder sort of thing and um doesn't matter if it's Pike or Doe or any of the nine strikers we got you know if you put a cross in that's that good it's pretty difficult to miss from from that range I would say and um yeah that's the sort of goal we need to start scoring more of and and, and getting two in this game was was fantastic but yeah great moment and um, yeah, really good time to score 10 minutes in, kind of stopped Forest Green kind of, you know, taking the ascendancy early in the game. Um, they had to then come and try and get at us, didn't they? Which they did. But um, yeah, great moment. And the the crowd, I was a bit further down from you. You were, you were near a halfway, weren't you, where you were standing? I was more down towards yeah. the buffet, down towards sort of the goal. And um, I, I wasn't in the mix with all of the, the sort of main sort of chanters and cheerers on, on Saturday, but I'm sure they absolutely love Pike scoring. Yeah, it was a really, really nice moment. Yeah, um, I, I put something on on Twitter, something like um, effing Pike, like <laughs> a brilliant moment for him. You know, like on this podcast, we always try to be honest, don't we? You know, we've always said in the past, if Sean Wally dived and it wasn't a penalty, we'd always be honest and say it wasn't, it was a dive or whatever. Yeah. Um, and we'll be critical of players or, you know, say this player doesn't deserve to be in the team or whatever when we think that way. But as we said, I think Pike did really well on Saturday and he's done well from so far this season and he deserved that goal. And yeah, um, yeah, Fair play to him, you know. He's been coming in, I and mean, he's been getting stick from the fans for a couple of years now. He's but he's been coming in to work, and he's been cracking on. And yeah, fair play to him, and hoping he hopefully he really enjoyed that moment. He looks like he a did. stick wasn't unwarranted, though. You would say, you know, in his first two years, he's done basically no, nothing. That's what I'm saying. I'm yeah, saying we're being honest. We're saying on the flip side, yeah, he wasn't performing. He wasn't performing no. that well. He wasn't doing anything. And we'll we'll, we'll you know we'll, we talk about yep. what we see. Um, it's a bit like Sam Cosgrove, <laughs> which is really funny. Sam Cosgrove scored two goals yesterday, and I saw some Plymouth fans almost talking as if that meant that he didn't play badly for us. No, no, he was atrocious he was for us. But doesn't mean that was then. This is now, and it's about how players perform in, in at the time and how they're playing, performing today in the last game. And yeah, he 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 did well on Saturday. Cos- Cosgrove was bad, but I, I I saw that Plymouth game. It was against Derby, wasn't it? And they came back came back to win. But Mendes Lang scored in that game as well. I didn't have the art yeah. to tell them how bad he was. So um, <laughs> there we go. I think it's just a case of shit, terrible <laughs> lone players that Shrewsbury Town's history scoring on Saturday. But um, no, I wasn't trying to uh, you know dis dispike too much there. It's just you know he's been here two years now, and he's he's it's his time to reshow the faith the manager's shown in him in keeping him around. And you know if this is the start of that, fair play, you know because we've we've stuck with him for two years. He's 
been in, involved more than he has been at the start of this season up to, up to this point. He's clearly evolved in in a similar way to how Ado did last year, Ollie, if you remember. You know, we weren't overly keen on keeping Ado a year and a half ago, and then he had a fantastic year last year and completely changed his, his, his routine, his physicalness, his attacking style. And if that's what Pike's done this summer, um, great, he can start turning heads. I would say he's turned my head a little bit. I'm not fully turned around to him, you know, being the future and offering him a new contract and all that sort of thing yet. But um, he's starting to turn my head a little bit with just the effort because I, I can't fault the effort. He's, he's really putting it in. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, completely agree with that. I think it was he was good. Um, yeah, game restarted. Um, Forest Green um, were on the kind of East tendency for a lot of the yep. game. To be fair, I, I might as well say it now. If I was a Forest Green fan, I'd be still wondering how we didn't score in that game. They certainly created enough chances. They had a lot more shots than us. We really struggled to keep the ball. So our kind of long passes was only like we were only hitting the target or keeping the ball thirty percent of the time. And in the first half, I remember looking up at it, we, we only had 55% pass accuracy, which is pretty, pretty cool. standard, that. <laughs> and we just struggled. We struggled, didn't we, to, to kind of keep yep. possession. And I don't think Moore and Leahy were able to dominate the, the, the middle of the park from a possession or defensive point of view. Um, yeah, it's obviously a new a new tactic playing mm. them there. Um, but what, I do, what was your view on Leahy and Moore in, in that role? Yeah, they didn't. I don't think they influenced the game as much as say Shipley or Abelis did on Saturday. To be fair, with, with with the ways they played when we got forward, but I suppose they were asked to do a job of, of sitting in, and, and obviously you're asked to do that probably a little bit more once you've gone one nil up away from home. So um, I can understand that. But yeah, our passing has got to improve this season, Ollie. That's you know we look at long term patterns, don't we, on this podcast all the time. Our passing accuracy has been absolutely garbage most games this season, hasn't it? And we barely had that many passes in a game. Sometimes you know less than 100 in a hundred in a in a whole game. You know normally less than sixty in a half of football. And so you know when you've got that. Few passes, you've got it. You, there must be a lot of pressure on you to get it right, and and maybe that's one of the reasons why it's happening. So, I, I don't know, but yeah, it was it was interesting. I, I, I didn't mind the way we were lined up, Ollie. I, I still didn't hate it. I didn't I didn't feel like Forest Green as much as it had a lot of the ball were really that threatening. Um, but maybe that's because of how excellent our defence was and how good Moore and um, Leahy were in their defensive positioning. You know, you can look at their passing, but defensively, you know, the shift they put in is unreal, isn't it, Ollie? In terms of, of keeping us getting wins. Yeah. So, for everything you want to take away from them as sort of those more you know, dynamic midfielders, their 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 discipline is very, very good to credit, I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. They, they worked hard. And yeah, obviously when you play this formation, you do need to play two, two defensive midfielders yep. because um, Shipley, Bayless and Pike were really advanced and they took a bit of time for them to get back. So yeah, sometimes Moore had to cover uh, protect um, Pennington and Leahy had to protect Nurse before the lads got back to help. Um, and then I think... Um, yeah, I think it's fair to say, um, you know, we still created a couple of other chances. There was that Pike chance, wasn't there, where Salah hit Pike, um, Forest Green on the counter-attack. Good header and kind of decide to win the ball from Pike. He runs in on goal, hits the ball just a tad little bit ahead of himself. And then there's a really good save from the goalkeeper. Yeah. The- um, and then after that... Yeah, it felt a little bit like he took one touch too many, rather than sort of, and then it kind of forced the ball to get ahead of him a little bit. It was there was probably one moment to hit yeah. it earlier than that, um, and and test the keeper. He wasn't too far out, but um, yeah, it wasn't to be. But it was a good run, um, and, and him scoring two goals would have sent everybody into a meltdown anyway. So probably save that for another game. <laughs> yeah, he, he maybe could have done it better, but it was yeah, it is one of those chances. And then there's a long range effort from Forest Green, and Callister, the left wing back, had a shot. Um, it was good effort. Um, from I thought his name was Pearl Harris, but it was Pert Harris. So I actually prefer Pearl Harris. That sounds like a better name. Um, and then good defensive awareness from Lee. He just dropped onto the line and cleared the ball off the line, which I thought was a great bit of defending. Yeah. Um, yeah. Half time. Um, yeah. I thought. I thought we. It was a funny game. They they had a lot of chances. They had more chances mm. than us. 
but we always seemed in control, even though we didn't have the ball a lot. Um, I just felt that we were... I don't know how to put this. I think we just showed a little bit more quality across the whole yep. eleven, and then that would kind of helps us shade shade the first. I, I totally agree with you. We were the word is control. I would say we were in control without having all of control. If that makes sense, I, I didn't think they were that worrying. You know, that long yeah. shot they had um, was pretty decent, but just wide wasn't it? And I don't know if you could see from where you were standing, but it, that long shot was hit with some venom, and it hit a kid behind the goal and it completely yeah. knocked him off his feet oh, like literally it. wiped him out and he was poor lad was crying in his dad's arms I think poor thing so he uh, he got off and shook it off and watched the rest of the game at least but yeah that was that was one moment we did notice and um yeah we, we had another chance in that half as well there was a moment where Pennington had a header and he, we ran off like he looked like he'd scored but the keeper made a good save and then I thought as that half went on you know yeah it was one nil but they they did probably have a, have the best of the last sort of 10 minutes that half and they had the shots that you mentioned there but as I say I, I didn't really feel like um I didn't feel like I was worried, basically. Um, and yeah, and then obviously it was nine minutes of injury time, we should say, Ollie, because there'd been loads of injuries and they'd had a couple of big, long injuries as well. So yeah, during that nine minutes, I thought we played it out quite well. So I was, I was more than happy to get to half time. Um, and then I saw the queue building up behind me for the for the pies. <laughs> Talking of pies, I had one when I got into the ground and I thought, you know, Forest Green, famous for their vegan fare and all that kind of stuff. I thought I'd try one and I don't mind. I'm happy with eating vegetarian and vegan food or whatever. But this was atrocious. It was an empty Ugh. vessel. You think if you're buying like vegan food, you'd be full of vegetables, or whatever. And it was empty. Ugh. It's one of the worst pies I've ever had. Not because it was vegan, just because it was empty. But um, but yeah, I wasn't very. That's impressed. awful. I had some chips, some some vegan chips. <laughs> they were right. I on my chip rating, I'd have given them an eight out of ten. They were pretty decent, to be fair. Um. So yeah, that was all all I had at half time. But um. Yeah, I I, heard a, I saw a few people saying they were some of the worst pies they've ever had at the football. So, um. Yeah, maybe their new ground. They'll get some sort of new pie vendor in Ollie, and when we go next year, it'll if they don't get relegated, it'll be different. So um. Yeah, that's uh that's not good feedback, Ollie. Maybe you should let them know. Um. But um. Yeah, sorry, I wanted to touch on something we were talking about in that first half, which was time wasting. The only reason I thought. We maybe we weren't time wasting as much as I thought when I think reflect back on this, but the referee definitely thought we were time wasting because there was a moment in the first half where Nurse had a throw or someone had a throw on the right hand side, probably wasn't Nurse, and he was taking Asia over it, and a few of their fans started whistling, and the referee blew his whistle, stopped us from taking the throw, and then called Leahy over to talk to him about something, which my assumption was it was about us taking too long on set pieces and throws because I think he'd, he'd kind of had a chat with him before on that. So that, that was the thing I was kind of observing was that it was during that bitty phase where they had the injuries and stuff and the game wasn't really flowing. So I, I think, I you know, I wonder whether Barton's comments got in the referee's head and um, he thought, yeah, I was we, he thought we were doing more time-wasting than we actually were. But he, he definitely called Leahy over to talk something about a, lot, a slow throw. So that was all I wanted to say. Yeah, he did. I thought that was odd. I couldn't understand it. I was um, standing next to Dan Hoff and, we, and his two kids and we couldn't figure out what that was all about. So yeah, I think you're probably yeah. right, Glenn. Stories or narratives Build. can kind of influence referees and maybe that's an example mm. of it. Yeah, Barton going off and talk, talking about Shuji Town time wasting and ever. Yeah, whether one of their players got um, banned in the week, which I thought was quite funny. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't think we time wasted in this game at all. Nurse maybe took a bit of time when he had to run over, but... He's, when we take a long throw, but he's not going to sprint across the pitch and knock nope. himself out um, just because he, he has to do a recovery run. So I don't think we time wasting this game at all um, in in the you know the, the best of the game. But yeah, interesting interesting moment there, Green. Good observation. It was yeah, and then the game started straight away. I think Forest Green came out and played right the first couple of minutes of that half. Um, they they got down the yeah. sides, but their crossing was poor all day, wasn't it? And um, during that little one two minute spell at the start of the half, when they thought they want to try and get back into it, they let them down some crossings. 
And then, yeah, uh, basically, <laughs> we scored straight away after that. And um, it, it was brilliant, wasn't it? You know, you'd have been worrying about us trying to sit back too much, you know, on, on the evidence of what we've done under the last three managers and what we generally do as a football club. But to get the second goal, we don't do it enough, do we, in games? And um, it certainly makes us less stressed as fans and, and gives the town players much more freedom to go and play out a second half, 2 up. It was a sucker punch yep. for them, wasn't it? They came out in second half. Um, probably hoping that they're going to be able to get something from this game and try and turn it around. Unfortunately for them, it d- didn't happen at all, nope. did it? Um, 48 minutes in, probably I'd probably say this is probably the best football we've played all season in terms of a little bit. I don't know, the first goal was really good as well. This was nice. Um, but I really like yeah. this play. So, yeah, so Nurse gets the ball. Um, Lee, he actually goes down. He gets a bit of a head injury. He goes down, but we carry on. We then, the ball comes to Nurse, who plays it into... Into, into Shipley. Shipley plays a 1-2 with Bayliss. Bayliss plays a delightful little ball into Shipley who's in on the box then, in on the goalkeeper and he just tucks it away into the back of the net and yeah, that was a, a fantastic goal Glenn and as you said in the first half that's what you want to see more of and it was a, a really, really good good bit of football there. Right in front of where I was standing as well. It was lovely to watch Ollie, really slick, really quick you know, just bang, 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 we were in and someone, suddenly someone scored. And uh, yeah, and the Shipley ran over to right where we were standing, did sort of the, the bowman, you know, t- sort of drew, drew a bow back, which um, I'm not sure what that was all about because you'd think it's just kind of bowman's, <laughs> it's bowman's thing, isn't it? So maybe it was a, a credit to bowman or something and helping him settle into the club or something. I don't know. We'll hear more about that this week. But yeah, the the rival, I, I, t- I said, you know, Jordan Shipley has arrived when he banged that in. It's about time he scored a goal. It's about time he, he was involved in a couple of goals and in a winning performance. And he was, he's in my top three, Ollie, I'll tell you that now. But yeah, that goal just capped what was his best performance to the club and, and basically showed he's arrived, Ollie. And um, yeah, it was a really good moment. I, I tune it up. I was pretty much you know thinking, well, that's that could be that, to be honest with you. Yeah, I was really pleased. I said in my halftime tweet um, that the best player on the ball for us is Bayliss. We need to get the ball to him more. Three minutes later, he, he, he provides an assist for, for Shipley. Um, and... Yeah, I have to say, you know, we will criticise the manager when he's when he's a bit of a dick. Um, but also, fair play to him. He set up the team um, in this game. It was a really good game plan in terms of how to set the team up. Um, and I thought having Shipley on the left, Bayliss in an advanced position in midfield and Pike on the right, Pike's pace um, and then Bay- and Bayliss and Shipley linking up and, the, and their mm-hmm. assists. Um, Shipley had an assist and a goal, obviously, yep. in this game. Um, it was a really, really good game plan, and he worked really, really. I don't know well. why I feel like whenever you know when we've been doing those, we praise the manager for his, the way he set us up to win games. It feels like they've all you know when we've really gone on that you know the manager deserves you know ninety percent of the credit for some things like that. You know, it all seems to have been the away games. I'm not sure why that is, Ollie, but um, there we go. I, I think he has been. He's done it at home. I've done it at home yeah. a couple of times. I remember, remember he changed to four three three a four three three at home once a few Maybe. last season, and he completely changed oh, yeah, the game. The yeah, yeah. It, 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 well, this season it's definitely been, hasn't it? It was been the the, the Wickham yep. game, but the home games have been a bit odd, haven't they? We had the Stanley false red card, and we've had the Derby game, and then the Ipswich game. So yeah. It's not a real good sample, Again, that is it? Excited with the manager here. It's yeah, it's a funny sample and it's a funny set of games as well. Um, that's why we keep talking about September being so mm-hmm. key. Um, that Burton game at home will be fascinating to see how we line up in that one. Yeah, sure. and then Morosi made a good save, didn't he? As we went on, then the game kind of just sort of they, they kind of had the ball, but we were we yeah. were doing fine. We were clearing them out everywhere where we needed to. The defence were absolutely excellent. Um, and then yeah, I think it was that that Per Harris, as you said before. Um, yeah, he's he's he, it was going top corner that and Morosi actually I thought did really well to claw it out of the top corner. He was on a big dive, wasn't he? So that was a, a fantastic save. Um, and then we were just sort of it was you know there was, there was more football, but we were building towards that moment, weren't we? Of are we going to see any of the new three kind of lads coming on at some point? Yeah, and we did, didn't we? Then we we had two substitutions. 
And we had um, Sadie and Street came on um, for Bowman and yep. Pike. Um, although that was good for Bowman. I thought Bowman had that's yeah, just a on Bowman. I thought his link up play was good in the game. He was obviously playing up front on his own, but with support, I thought he I thought he looked good and he's coming back from injury as well. So I think it was a good performance and a good mm-hmm. turnout um from Bowman. Um and then yeah, the two lads um came on. Um in Street had that chance, didn't he, where he had the header um on the back post, but he unfortunately fouled the defender. Um and then yeah, Sadie um, I think it's fair to say, Glenn, he seems very strong. He's got he's got bigger thighs than my midriff, I think, Ollie. Um, I'm not a thin lad, no. He's absolutely <laughs> built, built like a brick shit house, isn't he? That's the phrase, isn't it? Um, and I quite liked yeah. it. They both came on, those young lads. They're both big. You know, the street's, what, six six foot something, and he's pretty tall. And they just yeah, started, two, like, needling the Forest Green players a little bit, leaving a little bit in here, you know, chasing, harrying. You know, they they really put a good sort of press on. Um, and even if they got there a little bit late, they, they still maybe left a little bit of a, a naughty challenge that the referee didn't see every now and again. I, I, I did put on Twitter, they came on and just started kicking people. Maybe that was a bit harsh. But they certainly came on and gave us some renewed energy, which I think was kind of, stuck, to be fair to Pike, you know, in the second half and Bowman a little bit, they, they kind of faded out of it as we got to that sort of 10 minutes before they came off because um, they'd worked really hard. So, you know, that's what I mean about having these two pacey options, strong options, good pressers options off the bench will be fantastic, I think, going forward um, and, and enable them to push for a starting place. So, yeah, they're, they're bit big. And, yeah, Sadie's the sort of player I would love. Um, I, I think I'm going to quite enjoy watching his development at the football club. Um, but they were involved in some of the some of the nonsense that went on after that, Ollie. Yeah, there was. Wasn't there? It was a, it's a bit odd. It seemed... I think I, to be honest, maybe I'm biased here, but I think it. I think the handbags came from frustration of um, Forest Green players. I thought they were starting to get a little bit, a bit narky. Yeah. Um, and yeah, there was a yeah, there was a few moments where it kicked off a little bit. And um, yeah, definitely a collective nature of Shrewsbury Town players that kind of jumped in a little bit, but it seemed a bit unnecessary. I thought, and yeah, it, from us, obviously from our point of view, it just helped. Mm. A waste a bit of time. That was good. Um, and then it all kicked off again a bit later on, didn't it? Just keeping the hard banks together in one section. And um, Flanagan gave away, I thought, potentially yep, a penalty. Looked like he gave a bit of a push mm. in the back. Another ref could have given it. And then it wasn't a penalty. And then it all started, then looked like maybe one of our players kicked one of their players. And then it all kicked off again. Um, and the, yeah, the handbags just seem to follow us around. I think the referee blew for a free kick for us. So I'm assuming he thought that the. the... Yeah, it was a free yeah. kick to us. He blew it for a free for kick diving, to us. For diving, I assume. But, um, um, and then it all started Yeah, but when the guy off, dived, yeah. he dived on the ball, I think, from what I was talking to a few people about. And you know, you remember that moment when Eden Hazard kicked that ball boy to get the ball back because he dived on it for that Chelsea game all those yeah. years ago? Um, uh, I think it was one of those situations where the guy had given a free kick away, he'd gone down to ground, was lying on the ball, and, and Flanagan put a couple of little kicks in to get it out and then it looked for everyone who was there on the day like he ah, absolutely smashed him with a kick while he was lying on the floor and the, and the referee somehow didn't see it it's, it's, it's interesting Ollie, you know you know violent conduct and all that and you joke about that Bristol Rovers player getting sent off in the week for violent conduct because it got reviewed I, I do wonder I'd, li- I'd like to see that moment back I haven't seen it on the highlights yet as to whether that could be considered violent conduct and whether you know someone will report us for that and maybe Flanagan will get a, a subsequent red card I'd be surprised but um, it looked bad on the day it looked like he was just kicking a bloke on the floor it was real weird yeah it was a bit <laughs> odd it's hard to see from being so low on the terrace it's kind of exactly what happened but yeah, it did look a bit messy, and yeah, fingers crossed, um, nothing, nothing comes of it from us. Because yeah, I wouldn't like, to, wouldn't like, I wouldn't like finding him to um, miss any games in the no, moment. No, normally. No, well. we'll round off his game. I, I would say the two two chants I heard on Saturday that were quite interesting, Ollie, for me, um, where we'll do a bit of chant review, was um, Forest Green Rovers fans started chanting, um, "It's only two nil. How shit must you be? It's only two nil to us." Which 
doesn't make me think the Forest Green Rovers fans have got a whole lot of confidence at the moment, Ollie, from their start to the season. So, yeah, clearly that gives some evidence that they're a club that are struggling to get go this season. And then the most odd chant or sort of shout I heard from the terrace on Saturday was just to the left of me. A man shouted, you farmer bastards. And I thought it's a bit, bit much coming from Shrewsbury, isn't it, considering we're normally considered the rural team of, of the English Football League. So I'm not sure we can really get away with calling another team farmer bastards. But there we go. I thought brave, brave chant from someone on Saturday, but um, I wasn't sure about that one mate yeah shoot town fans tried but it, without a roof it does hard, it, it is hard to create a bit of atmosphere it, it sound when town fans were chanting from where i was standing down the left by the sort of buffet area you could it sounded like the shoesbury fans were chanting and but it sounded like it was the forest green rovers on the other side of the ground which had the roof over their stand that were, was where the noise was coming from and i turned around at one point to my mates and was like are they chanting over there and they were like no that's the noise our town fans are making and the only thing it's got to reflect off is the is the stand on the other side so it's like, it's like a weird yeah. kind of audio glitch it's very yeah. hilly it's very high up it's one of the highest grounds in the country not the highest that's west brom um but yeah it's it's, it's very windy it's very windy as well and i think you know, Maurice is kicking. I was tutting about it quite a lot, but I didn't really realise this. And then when the gaffer was doing his post match, you could hear the wind reverberating yeah, off the microphone. Yeah, it was quite windy. Yeah, and I think it was quite windy. And I don't, yeah, that didn't help. But yeah, there's away terrace is a bit like Bristol Rovers away when you're on that yeah. terrace. It's very hard to make um, atmosphere with yeah, no room. Terrible. There we go. Well, the only other thing that happened in the game was Winchester put in his Forest Green run, didn't he? Very. Oh, this was one that I absolutely <laughs> loved this because this was right in front of me and Dan, and there's a few of us actually. I mean, that spot that Abe Plymouth was there as well, and Ben Harvey was just to just to the left of us as well. Good little spot. And um, so yeah, so what happens is Shrewsbury Town are counter attacking, and old David Davis has come off the bench for yep. Forest Green. And then Winchester, it's a foot race basically versus Winchester versus David Davis. And David Davis has had probably what, like a, I don't know, four metre head start, five metre head start, Glenn? And he just runs <laughs> past him like Forrest Gump. And he runs past him. And the fact that he just catches him up so much, he can't help but smile and laugh. So Winchester is running down the left wing, laughing and smiling as he leaves David David Davis behind. He gets the ball um, and then, yeah, we, we tried to have an attack and, yeah, it doesn't quite work out. But, yeah, he, was he laughing by the time yeah. he got to you? Yeah, as you say, you say it was in front of you. It was in front of everyone because he ran the length of all the town fans, didn't he, which was the amazing thing about it. <laughs> yeah, and then exactly. I think when they got down did. in the corner was when he, he gave eventually got given to Sadie and then Sadie just like basically used his massive frame to hold the ball in the corner and every time someone tried the thing I liked about Sadie was that like every time he he got the ball he felt like he wanted someone to challenge him just so that he could aggressively shove them back and and put them into another dimension that's what you know it was one time where he sort of shoulder barged someone off the ball and they were fucking flying so um he's he's gonna be a beast he is but um yeah yeah, it was quite a funny little kind of moment the run and then that that moment from Sadie but we did really well closing the game out didn't we we got in the corners when we needed to and shut it down and and that was it then 2-0 win um I thought it was going to be a nightmare getting out of Forest Green, um, so I shot off as pre- pre- I pretty much always stay to to clap the players off and, and you know and the manager as well, and I, I normally you know record it for Twitter and stuff for people to see. But I was so I was thinking it was going to be a nightmare to get out of Forest Green. I, I went as soon as the final whistle went, but I was walking down the road um, that a lot of town fans would walk down that hill then down into the town centre, uh, village centre I suppose, um, and I could hear the yeah yeah yeah, and I was like oh is he, he's been <laughs> Steve Cottrell's doing the fist pumps again. I don't know were you still there when he was doing that? Was it fist pumps or not, or was it something different? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was fist oh, bumps. Yeah, with a big smile on his face. Yeah, fist bumps. All the um, the the players came. Um, yeah, Lee he gave um, and uh, Pennington and a lot of the players came and give a lot of claps to the whole it. kind of the stretch of the Shrewsbury Town fans. So, yeah, there's always I I I've been to an away game for a while. Obviously, we have in a little one. Um, 
and I had an absolutely lovely day. It was absolutely Great. fantastic. Just nice to be out and yeah, and have you know, I saw it was really funny. I, I'm part of this like 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 little football community um, on on Telegram, and uh, I just asked this Forest Green fan, "Hi mate, can you like is it is it cashless? Because I kind of ran out of money giving that tenor to, to the for the parking." And then I was chatting to him, and he was actually on that little group, and I was oh. chatting to him, which is really odd. I'm actually part next to him. Um, it's really strange, very small world. Um, but um, but yeah, it was, it was a really good day out. It was nice. It was it was one of those days, Glenn, where if you're at home and you watch it, you feel like you've missed out. And it was really nice for me to be a part of it because I've missed quite a few of those games yeah. recently. So yeah, it was a really, really good kind of good, honest away day. Makes yeah. sense. It was funny. Like One of the things we kept saying on um, Saturday was like, 20 years since we were there in the conference season, you know, and um, we were, I got in the queue to get to get a beer with mates. I was just going to get a soft drink. But in front of us was a, a guy called Pilch who's been on the podcast a few times and, um, you know, runs the Blue and Amber Message Board as the admin there. And he was with a few other guys that people know, Beastie and Scooter and some other, some other guys. Um, Anthony Dunn, who town fans might know, he's been going for years. And it, we just turned around to my mates and I was like, 20 years later, it's all the same faces. Do you know what I mean, Ollie? We have got a very dedicated, committed mm-hmm hardcore of away fans um that we've grown over the years i think and it, it is great to think 20 years later those shared experiences that we all had that conference season in forest green when we didn't know where the club was going are being replicated now 20 years later at forest green um when we've got a club that you know we can still be proud of can't we is in league one is, is is riding as high as it has done for quite a while in terms of our you know league we're in so it, it is interesting that kind of comparison of, of the 20 years going on and um again where, where i was standing is the same thing as you ollie lots of people in you stood by Paul Coyne has been on the podcast and, and his mate Luke and, and his other friend whose name I always forget. Um, so I apologise for that if he's listening. But yeah, just loads of people. Cy from the club shop was around. Um, you know, um, Cal, who, who we speak to on Twitter, was knocking around. So yeah, just great. One of those good Saturdays where you kind of, you know, amongst people of your own ilk, you know, town fans died in the wall um, and we're all celebrating a win. It can't be better than that, mate. Yeah, no, it was good. It was a good um, away day. And talking of away, um, just comments on, on a couple of... Um, Forest Green, um, yeah, they, they, I felt a bit sorry for them. You know, they, they should really have scored in that game. Um, I guess that's probably a bit of low confidence, and then they didn't take those chances. In terms of highlight players, I thought little for them. The number ten, I thought he looked like a what what um, yeah, Dunny might call a bit of a live wire. Um, I thought he was quite good. Pearl Harris um, was a good player as well. And even though their right back did try to steal Sadie's shirt and did get involved in quite a bit of handbags, he did look like quite a good player as well. Yeah, O'Keefe, his name was, yeah. Yeah, he usually looks a good player. So, yeah, they've got some good players. Um, whether they'll be able to survive, I'm not sure. It's funny, isn't it? League One, seven. What? how many games are we in now? Um, the league table, seven like, seven games. There's um, Forest Green yep. and Stanley have only played six. But the league table's mm-hmm. almost taken shape quite quickly. Quite quickly. We're not ten games in. And the bottom, you've got Burton Albion, Forest Green, Morecambe, Cheltenham, Lincoln City, surprisingly MK Dons, Stanley and Vale down there in Bristol Rovers, and to be honest, no. you're not surprised by that, are you, Glenn? It's 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 some of these teams that we thought would be in the relegation battle are down there quite quickly. Um, it's it's been quite odd like that when you've got Ipswich, Portsmouth, Plymouth, Sheffield Wednesday, um, with Cambridge and Exeter mm-hmm. doing absolutely great guns start the season really well up near the top. Um, only surprises really, I'd say, are Wick- Wickham 14th and um, MK Dons in 19th. Someone on our podcast predicted them to win the league. I'm sure they did. Uh, late charge. Don't you worry about that. Um, yeah, I suppose it's still early doors, isn't it? I mean, but we've we've given ourselves a chance. It is early doors, but it's interesting. Yeah, we've given ourselves a chance when we get to our ten game review, the usual uh, marker we have in ten league games of being 
in a pretty decent position. Maybe the highest we've been in the League One table after 10 games since the Hurst season. You know, we've, we've got a good chance now with the next three games we've got coming up. So, yeah, I think when we get there, we'll be able to judge the table, how it's forming and, and how we've been doing, really. But, um, yeah, it's certainly nice to see us not in, you know, 20th or 18th. Um, a little bit higher than that is always nice to see. Um, in terms of top threes, Ollie, uh, let's wrap, wrap this one up. I went for Shipley, man of the match. I thought it was his best game for the club, as I mentioned before. Um, instrumental going forward. Um, he's very disciplined as well when we have to sit in. I give him credit for that as well. Um, but just, yeah, I thought he was great and, and the goals, uh, contributions were fantastic. Bayliss, I gave third place, uh, second place. I haven't really given him much um, top threes this season so far, but I thought he's really tidy, really good little player. Like, it was the thing, the reason I put him in my top three wasn't the fact he was involved in the goal. It was more of just how tidy he is on the ball, how neat he is, and how. He picks up like nice little areas in space, Ollie, when others are on the ball. He's he's, he's he a good wants option. the ball yeah, all the time. I, I was really watching him on Saturday because you know it's when you're low down like that and kind of co- quite close to the pitch, you can really yeah. You'd get very much a different experience. Yeah, I was really impressed with Bayless. So yeah, that's why I gave him second place. Um, and then Dunkley, I went for third place. I, you know, could have been any of the defenders or could even have been Morosi. I, I just noticed Morosi and Shipley were the two players that made it into that um the league paper team of the week. So a bit harsh on Morosi, bit harsh on Pennington, but I gave it to Dunkley just because he headed absolutely everything um for the whole game and I thought he was he was really good on the on the deck as well. So that was my top three. Yeah I went for for Shipley, um goal and assist um game his game for his best game for so far. I went for Dunkley second. Dunkley is an absolute beast, isn't he? Huge. He's talking all the time. He's a real leader. Yep. And he's one of those players that it's almost like he's got like size 40 boots. He just seems to go through players and win the ball. He always seems to get his toe on it. He's such a good defender. Um, it must be a nightmare to play five side against. He just like win the ball all the time. Um, and then I went I third. I had to go for Pike um, because he's got his goal and I thought he played really well. And then honourable mentions is really funny as um, the players went off. Goalkeeping coach, whose name was complete, Brian Jensen was saying to Nurse, you know, you were perfect today, absolutely f- superb. And I thought Nurse was a great. Mm-hmm. Pennington, I thought, did well sh- sitting in at right yeah. back. He probably did the pass of the game when he kind of just passed it through the lines and we started a counter-attack. Um, and yeah, there's a lot of good performances. Um, Bayless as well. He was in my top three, but I changed him for Pike. In That's there. fair enough. It's funny you say about Dunkley being a leader, and he obviously is a leader, but he, he's got his captain and he has to listen to his captain. Because did you could you hear on Saturday in the first half where um, there was a little moment where we were defending, we kind of got away with something, and Leahy and, and Dunkley were sort of talking as they walked away, and there were sort of, you know, gaps, gap was coming between them. And Dunkley obviously said something to Leahy about, you know, defending this. And, Dun- and Leahy shouted really loud so all the town fans could hear. Don't fucking give me that, and uh, and Dunkley just didn't say anything back then. So I thought it was quite interesting that he's not afraid to Lee. He's not afraid to even you know tear a strip off one of our kind of you know leaders at the back if he doesn't think that we're kind of performing to the levels he wants as captain of our football club. I thought it was quite a fascinating one to watch. And then in terms of one to watch, we had a, a secret spy next to the the dugout. Oh right. So got some little insight about what it was like. Um, our, our our players and staff were like on on the on the sideline. Okay. So um so yeah the secret secret little squirrel we had said that um that it was really interesting that Cottrell really dominate the sign line versus their manager, um and he's saying how like Brian Jensen was absolutely brilliant kind of winding up the opposition fans and <laughs> yeah there was like a really good kind of connection he said that the, the staff seemed like they work really really well together he said that um that um. Um, Aaron Wilbraham was really politely, kind of firmly, kind of managing the fourth official. So it all sounds like they're working as a really good team, good. and yeah, the kind of there's a big kind of comment about it. there's a big real togetherness and a good morale. 
um, with with the players on the side. Um, so yeah, it was um, yeah quite quite interesting little insight. And I got a photo to prove it. I think I put it on our WhatsApp group. He was right next to yeah, the players that, yeah. and everything. Um, it was quite funny. Yeah. So yeah, good insight. And yeah, it was uh, interesting to see how, how connected. And it's kind of just reinforces what we know about this team and this this staff. They're all uh, very much a close bunch. Mm. Did he uh, give you confirmation? Uh, what I could see from those other pitches was it was that um, Aaron Wilbraham's given up on pretending he's got any hair now. <laughs> Yeah, he looks better, I think, with his with his new he style. He looks imposing. Um, um, so <laughs> no, yeah, manager comments. Um, manager comments said is yeah, entertaining game, professional performance, and some good, good, we got some got saw some great goals. He said it was almost a perfect away day. Um, he said yeah, Pike, I'm really pleased for him. Um, yeah, he, you know, he, he told him before the game he needs to get the back post, mm. and so he did that. Um, he said nothing to complain about today, and he said Shipley and Bayliss, he thought they needed that, um, and they played really well. And yeah, um, he said he talked about Dunk. He said the staff love him. He kind of sets the standard. So yeah, good all around, good away day. It was, wasn't it? Yeah, I think yeah, that's the best way to sum it up. I, I, I had a lovely day, and I'm looking forward to Port Vale away next. That'll be a different atmosphere, Ollie. Um, so we shall touch on that in two weeks' time. <laughs> um, we probably just wanted to catch up, really. I mean, let's talk about the next games coming up now, and then we'll just touch on injuries to finish this off. But yeah, obviously the next three games. You know, I, I can't. I think I got a bit of grief this week saying, well, the next three games are a bit easier than some of the other games we've had this season. But Oxford at home next Saturday, Exeter at home, um, I think is the following Tuesday, and then Vale away um, two Saturdays time. You know, you know they're all teams that you think we should be given a game to at least. You know, it's not Derby, Wickham, sorry, Derby or, or you know Sheffield Wednesday, some of the big teams in here that you think we're going to sit it's back in. Yeah. You know, these are three teams where it wouldn't be a disaster to play for at the back and continue with what we did on Saturday. So you know, it's three games coming up that we we sit in a nice position in the table. That's that three games that takes us through to game number 10, Ollie. You know, there's there's no reason why you can't just go to bed tonight on a Sunday night or, or Monday night after you've listened to this thinking, you know, we could have three good games here and be dreaming of something special this season. It's it's going to be an interesting set of games. I bloody hate, um, I was just doing the pod, obviously pod prep and just keeping on Twitter to see anything happens. And yeah, Toronto Shoes summed it up perfectly saying he basically hates playing Oxford because they always seem to do well against us, don't they? Um, like, yeah, it would be great to get a result against them. Um and then, yeah, uh, you'd just think, you know, without looking at the league table, Exeter, we should win that. But actually, they're doing really, really well. Yep. So that's it's going to be an interesting game. I'm there. And then Burton is an easy game. Um, maybe Jimmy Floyd will be sacked by them. No, not luck. He'll get, they'll change manager, won't they? And they'll have that new manager bounce. It's Vale next after Burton. It's not Burton, it's Vale. Oh, we have got Burton soon, though. No, I'm just talking about in September oh, at yeah, home. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't okay. going in order. I was just talking about, yeah, in terms of the months coming no, up. True. You know, the games are a little bit easier, mm. but... Um, it's still going to be tough, uh, but some interesting games coming up nonetheless. Nice to get a win at home and a week off as well, which is key. Yeah, big. No, I just I think you know it's 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 games. I think we can look at with some some confidence now, having seen the way we played this weekend. So yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to those games. I should be all of them. Um, and then yeah, injuries. So obviously we've skirted around the injury. We've not talked about this one man who was missing and the other man who was missing. Um, we've briefly mentioned it, but this week we've lost two players, Ollie. Um, one of them for a month. One of them for significantly longer. Um, and yeah, let's start with Danado, Ollie. Um, poor Danado. So we talked about this last week on the pod. He tried to run off an injury, didn't he, uh, against Bristol Rovers. Came back on for a short while, then fell down to the ground again uh, and went off. Danado done his ACL, um, anterior cruciate ligament, which is the injury I've gone on about me doing in my knee over the years and will possibly, likely be out for the rest of the season. And it's a disaster for him uh, as, a, as a personal thing, first of all, isn't it? But also... Pretty bad for us as fans who've loved watching him over the last year, um, and also for for us as a club, it's been pretty bad news, hasn't it? So, don't get much worse than that, does it? It's um, it is it's a disaster, really, yep. isn't it? In terms of 
Yeah, who would have thought, you know, we'd have, obviously we, we talked about this, you know, last year and stuff, mm. and Dan and Joe came through and had a bit of a breakthrough season in terms of performances. You know, you know this, Glenn, obviously anyone who plays football manager and, you know, you look at your team and your scouts and your team and your staff give stars to the players out of five. Yeah. And you'd say definitely Dan O'Doe is our only four-star striker. Yes. So to lose him, you know, he's not a five-star league one striker, but he's a very solid four-star four striker, four striker in this division. Mm -hmm. To lose your best striker um, is a nightmare, especially in a team that doesn't score many goals. For the whole so year. Good luck to Dan O'Doe. Yeah, it is an absolute nightmare for him. Fingers crossed he comes back well. Um, we do have an option, don't we, on his contract. So I hope we trigger that, um, give him the time to come back. Um, I'd hate to, for that to be the last game we ever we ever see. Mm. It's interesting. We've had a lot, you know. I say, I say we've had a lot of ACL injuries over the last sort of 10, 12 years. You know, you think about Junior Brown, Percival, James Weslowski, Ruben Hazel. Um, I, I put a big list of it on Twitter the other day. Um, general clubs could expect one and a half ACL injuries a year. That's the general kind of average number for the football league um and we we're quite below that when you look at all the acl injuries we've had over the years so um there's no like you know as much as you can list out a load of acl injuries we had there's no kind of underlying pattern of Shrewsbury town players getting acl injuries any more than any other club if anything we're, we're a little bit below the average so you do expect one to get one every season but you'd rather you know harsh this is harsh on ruben hazel but at the time maybe not ruben hazel was kind of just setting himself up wasn't he but there's been players who've got acl injuries that you were like well that's a disaster for them but it's not quite as big of a disaster for the football club this is one of those ones where it's like your main... I can't think of a main frontline player that got an ACL that was maybe Junior Brown in seventeen eighteen. That was a bad one. Do you remember? We really could have done with him. It would have been yeah. an extra bit of, to get us over the line maybe down the season. So, yeah, I think, you know, Brown, Nadeau, um and NKP are the sort of ones I think that were ones that really cost us, uh, you know, in games at times. But disaster, really. Um, and then, yeah, backed up by another injury then to one of our players who's played a lot of games this season, Ollie, um, Da Costa. Yeah, DaCosta. So that was, um, yeah, kept that one secret. Mm. Um, yeah, a doe one kind of leaked a little bit. But yeah, he has got a double hernia and he had an Oof. operation last Thursday and he'll be out for a month. Um, so yeah, good to see. We saw Bennett running, didn't we, on the grass at Forest Green Rovers? Um, so fingers crossed, um, yeah, and Bennett will be back soon. But yeah, we've had quite a, we say we've had a lot of injuries. We haven't got a lot of injuries. We've had basically, well, I guess we've had four players' injuries at the moment with Adoe, DeCosta, O'Brien, and Bennett. Mm. Bowman's been injured as well. Obviously, Doe got injured before. So we haven't had a lot of injuries. It's just key like players. a percentage. It's a lot. So we don't have we don't have yeah, key players as well. And we don't have a lot of a lot of um lot we haven't have a lot of players, so we do feel them quite hard yeah. when, they, when they do get they do get injured. They've all got injuries I've had as well, Ollie. So I, I could feel their pain. I had, a, I had a hernia as well once, so I could feel Tacosta's pain, and I broke my ankle. <laughs> I know Bennett didn't quite break it, but yeah, no, I feel all their pains. It's not great. I've never done anything to my hip, so O'Brien's on his own on that one. Um, so yeah, hopefully we'll get. But yeah, you had those players back in. You had Bennett and O'Brien, yeah. and then Tacosta comes back. Even just those two into this squad, and yeah, there's a lot of competition there. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how it goes, won't it, when they come back and how we rotate things around, because I suspect Bennett's going to probably want to get back in the team at some point. He's too good to not have in the team, so um, yeah. yeah, we'll see how it goes. But there we go. It's been a good week, Ollie, um, if we take away the injuries, and we wish Dan Adele all the best with his next set of procedures, don't we? I think that's a good place to leave it, is that, you know, good luck to him in his, in his operations. I suspect he'll be having a re... Well, I'm, I think from reading through it, he was having a knee reconstruction, so that is a pretty uh, long injury, a pretty long um, operation from, from what, what I had done. So I wish him all the best in his operations, week and hopefully it all goes fantastic and we, we do see him again so it's probably the best place to leave it and, and we will catch everyone next week thanks everyone for listening and um, yeah we're back again next week yeah, yeah, yeah.